Can we hear? Can we hear me? Yes. I always wanted to do testing, testing. Um, I can hear you, Matt. Mr. Cole. Nice to see you. Yes. Lovely to see you. You look immaculate. Likewise. Thanks. You look like you just got back from vacation, actually. Thank you. Maybe you did. Thank you. Right. Um, we've got to kick off. Tell everyone who you are. Well, a little bit about Emacs as well. And then we'll, I'll ask you some questions. I'm Dave Cole, founder and CEO of EMX Royalty Corporation. I've been in the role as CEO now for 19 and a half years. Um, prior to that, I was with Newmont Mining Corporation, creating value at the pointy end of the stick, uh, involved in discoveries around the world, and left to pursue my passion, which was build a royalty portfolio, because royalties are phenomenal financial instruments. And they're the best way to capture value of a mineral real estate portfolio, of which we have one that touches 5 million acres worldwide, roughly 300 mineral property positions within that portfolio. Is that a good intro? It's good enough. Right, but I want to break that down. Yes. Because not many people understand the kind of project generation part of mm -hmm. uh, your, your business, or indeed how you make money, or if you're making money, or when you're going to make money. Um, so I'm going to start with money. Does it take a lot of money to kind of set yourself up for this? I mean, your GNA is pretty punchy. Yeah, I always love your questions. Thank you. <laughs> the, it's actually important we understand this. And it's important we dive into this because one of the criticisms that you read about on uh, the blogs and whatnot is that our GNA is high or that our expenses are high. There's a very fundamental reason why that's the case. Mm -hmm. uh, astute allocation of capital is one of our core values. We're the value player in the royalty space with the highest expenses. And let me explain why that is. It's because the bulk of the royalties within our portfolio are grown organically through the execution of the project generation, royalty generation business model. Okay. So we actually employ economic geologists around the world that are business astute and work within uh, geologic trains that we embrace, acquiring prospective mineral rights that cost money. Having smart people costs money. Then we sell those, we coalesce the existing geologic data, we collect more data, we illustrate prospectiveness, we sell it to an industry very hungry for discovery opportunity in, in exchange for cash, shares, annual payments, and royalties. And when we do that, we do not capitalize those expenses against those assets. We expense those, which is a more conservative accounting technique. So those are shown as expenses. So we're carrying those various assets that we've grown organically at no cost basis on the books. A competitor of ours, like most of our competitors, or nearly all of them, don't generate royalties, they buy royalties. And so they would go out and buy a portfolio of royalties for millions of dollars and capitalize that they don't have to depreciate that capitalized expenditure until those properties start to produce. So it's a very different way of accounting technique relative to the methodology used to grow the portfolio. Does that explain it? I think so, but you don't need to impress me, you need to impress the people listening, so. But you're the we'll, guy we'll with see the what tough happens at the end of this. So. Yeah, okay, so, um, but let's, let's try and understand that. So, I mean, how, how many of these economic geologists have you got out there? Yeah, the, the economic geologists, by the way, are the ones that don't cost a lot. Right, okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, 30. 30? And worldwide. they are deployed and, where? And it's a mixture of full-time employees, consultants, uh, some very high-powered uh, you know, PhDs in, on the staff. Great, but what are they looking for? Looking for metals, copper, gold, cobalt, okay. lead, zinc, silver, nickel. All the good stuff, all the topical stuff. We're metals-focused. Okay. Um, have you had any kind of 
success. I, I maybe give an example of, because you look at this being the, one of the best ways to invest in the space, right? Mm -hmm. So give me an example of something that's gone from we found it through to that's now worth something. Because if I look, I look at the cash mm -hmm. flows at the moment, it's, you're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. That's correct. We're at the tipping point. And uh, Bali is the best example in the portfolio. We identified that as geologically prospective, acquired it at auction at, uh, in Turkey roughly 15 years ago for 17,000 US dollars, turned around, sold it to an astute, astute local Turkish mining company for 100 grand. So 100, negative cost, 100,000 USD. Um, and it kept a 4% uncapped, unbuyable NSR royalty. That has now been developed and advanced uh, there's now a 5,000 ton per day mill, and it's moving into full-scale commercial production. Uh, we're expecting cash flow yet this year, around a half a million dollars, ramping up to about two and a half million dollars a year after. This could become a $10 million per year royalty within three or four years, based upon our knowledge of mill capacity and head grades, okay. uh, and how the royalty is, is calculated, of course. That one royalty, let alone the other hundreds of mineral property positions have been created through this technique, that one royalty will handsomely provide a solid internal rate of return on all the money we've spent doing royalty generation the entire history of the company. Right. But it is the get rich slow plan. Well, that's what I'm about to say, 19 yep. years at it, right? So it's, it's a long time coming. Correct. Um, I don't know how investors at the beginning, if they're still here or how they feel about this one, but you, you point to people coming into the company now and mm -hmm. say, we're at a tipping point. Yes. What's that mean? So where are we with revenue end of 2022 and where are we 23, 24 looking forward? So those just joining the company today have the benefit of the work that we've done for nearly 20 years growing this portfolio. And we have forthcoming cash flow. Let's review the cash flow we already have. So we have two and a half million dollars a year USD after tax repatriated to Canada uh, from the Leeville operation operated by Barrick on the Carlin train. Illegal. Leeville. <laughs> Le Le what did you say? Illegal. I thought you said illegal. Illegal. No, no, it's perfectly legal. Um, and then the next one, that's gold. Next important one will go to South America, cash flowing asset, Casarones. That's paying after tax, 8 million USD per annum on a backward look. Although we do have a bias towards a slight increase in production moving forward. They have been increasing over the last three quarters. We think that's likely to continue, but assuming they don't, that's about an $8 million run rate. There is a course a tax treaty between Chile and Canada. So that's tax, once we pay our taxes in Chile, that's tax free top line revenue uh, here in Canada in USD, 8 million. Then we go across the uh, ocean to the Tethian metallogenic belt, which has been a focus of ours for, for um, you know, 20 years. Um, and there we have the Getik Tepe operation, which is, is now producing gold. Uh, and I will say that the, the first 10,000 ounces are not royalty encumbered, but every ounce thereafter is. And they're just now crossing over the 10,000 ounce mark there. They're stacking two and a half gram rock on the pad right now. From that oxide zone, we get a 10% royalty. As mine life about four years, we're expecting about $12 million per annum coming off of that royalty, although it is a short-lived royalty. However, the sulfide zone at depth uh, has uh, plus decade mine life thereafter, and that has a 2% royalty, and that's polymetallic uh, zinc, copper, gold, silver. Okay, so I'm always interested in the backstory to some of these things yes. in the sense that, okay, get rich slow. Yes. Nice, cute line, but maybe won't interest a lot of investors. So we've got to point to um, the, the scale of some of the, some of the opportunity ahead of you now. Mm -hmm. um, 
what are, what are the risks? You've had a couple of legal issues recently. Is that kind of run of the mill? So there's an immense amount of risk in the mining industry in general. And um, uh, those are environmental risks, engineering risks, metallurgical risk, uh, social license risk, on and on and on. It's ridiculously risky business. Uh, but we forge ahead within the industry to provide metals to society. <laughs> That's our role. Um, but thankfully in a royalty portfolio, that risk is still present on each individual asset, but is mitigated by the fact that you have a portfolio effect. And it's also further mitigated by the fact that the royalties that come in typically are on the gross. So you're not exposed to the ever-increasing costs of discovery, mine building, et cetera, uh, in this inflationary cycle that we're in today. Um, I'm not, uh, I don't wish inflation on anybody, but inflation is the friend of a royalty holder. Right. We, we kind of focus a little bit on the kind of prospect generation com component. Yeah. You do kind of step in further along the curve as well. You obviously borrowed some money from Franco recently for taking an equity position and you guys to pick up more of an, of an NSR. Where else are you kind of stepping in? So you raise a good point, and that is that, that we don't just grow royalties, but we too, because our main business is growing royalties, Matt, then we can have patience with respect to the royalties we buy. We can sit back and say, nope, that portfolio sold at 50% more than we pay, the, the kinds of numbers we see commonly. And, but when we do see one we like, we can pick it off and add to our portfolio, and that's pouring gasoline on the fire and helping us achieve critical mass, if you will which is pushing us towards this tipping point of being a junior company, moving towards being a mid-tier company with strong cash flows. And Franco Nevada participated as a new shareholder. We're delighted to have uh, Franco um, as a shareholder in the company now. Got a great uh, working relationship with them. I, I hope that we do more deal flow with them. The catalyst for that, ironically, was the purchase of the Casarones royalty, uh, which is a strong copper molybdenum asset in Chile with a now 28-year mine life, with 17-year mine life when we bought the asset. That's discovery optionality. Uh, we're very pleased about that one. Okay, and if, if, uh, that obviously signaled to the market, rightly or wrongly, that maybe Franco are interested in you. And given the kind of M&A activity, so we saw Sandstorm recently to do some, some M&A. Yes, I, people I look, yeah. get excited about that. Mm -hmm. So is that a possibility? So Franco, expressly bought stock in our company and have told us and allowed me to tell everybody here uh, that they applaud our royalty generation business and they want us to continue to build the portfolio as opposed to take us out. And all the other takeout offers that I have received, uh, and you know, it goes, I mean, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to take us out given the depth of our portfolio um, and with the trend of consolidation within the sector, what most people want to do is strip our royalties out and then have us go do the royalty generation in a different vehicle. To which my response is, let's not kill the goose that lays the golden egg. And it doesn't make sense. And the beautiful thing about having Franco as a shareholder is they fully understand that. They embrace the royalty generation aspect of our business. They know that long-term it's more astute allocation of capital than overpaying to buy royalty portfolios. So are they expecting any kind of um, option or for, you know, your first, um Get your first dibs on whatever it is that you've got going in terms of the prospect generations. I don't think it was way too early in the I think it's really say that there's nothing inked about that, no. Right. Um, I, I think they want to have a cooperative relationship where we figure out how to create more value. Right, okay. I want to get back to these guys on the ground because yes. you're spending a lot of money on them, so mm -hmm. they better be delivering. 
So um, in terms of what new things that they're coming up with, let's yeah. answer this in the context. Yeah, sure. And let me answer this in the context of all of these themes and new thematics. Okay, EV thematic, green thematic, mm. you know, press metal was hot. Well, I'm going to say once. It, it's, it's, it's been hotter. Um, do you divert uh, their attention, these guys on the ground? Do you try and, or do you think because it's a get rich slow scheme, it's look, we, we've got a real obvious plan of attack here. Let's stick to, stick to what we know best. Happy to answer this question. Um, we foresaw the increase in nickel demand and copper demand a while ago. And um, our strategy has always been to throw a broad net, acquire copious quantities of prospective mineral rights. We believe the best way to actuate that value for our shareholders is via royalties. And uh, we love all the metals. I love precious metals. We love base metals. And of course, we love battery metals. We started accumulating and focusing on sulfide nickel systems, particularly in Fennoscandia, um, where we are the largest mineral rights holder of any company now in Fennoscandia. Uh, we focused on, on uh, that particular, because there's a number of those types of systems there. And uh, we started focusing on that a number of years ago. Yeah, so we try to do it in a counter cyclical manner when possible. How can you tell the story better? All of you guys, all royalty and streaming companies, it's really confusing. There's way too much data. You've got brokers who can't be bothered to read the, the amount of data you guys have. And they pretty much go with what you say or have a very broad view and apply the same sorts of metrics and rules, right? So, yeah, it's a fair point. How, how do you do this? How do we understand it better? Well, let's start with the royalty itself. Um, royalties are phenomenal financial instruments. You've heard me say that. Yes. Let me explain why. Please. Because they cut, they cut off the top. They're not exposed to all of the expenses. They're not exposed fully to all of the risks and things that can go wrong, right? So I'm not paying to build the mine. I'm not paying to drill the holes. I'm not paying to do soil surveys. We just get the royalty at the end of the day. At some point and in the distant future. So that's, yes. Assuming they get into production. So, well, so there's, any, a, there's well, yin and yang, Well, right? this is a nice thing about having a pyramid. You know, we've got stuff at the top of the pyramid that's cash flowing today. And then we have a wealth of what we call optionality that is created through other people's expenditure across the mid portion of our portfolio and the base of that portfolio. And a great example of optionality is the press release made today. Uh, you know, South 32, very capable major company, is advancing the lead zinc silver deposit at Hermosa in Arizona, which they paid $1.x billion for. Well, we staked early on many years ago the extension of that system to the South. And we then sold those claims to Arizona Mining, who sold them to South 32. And South 32 is now drilling the extension of the high-grade lead zinc silver mineralization. And guess what? It's a copper deposit. It's a copper deposit with nice zinc and silver credits. And uh, we're very, very pleased about that. Um, that press release came out today. That's a great example of discovery optionality within the portfolio that comes at no cost to us. But it's kind of like a VC model, right? You need one in 19, you need one in 50 of those to come off, and it's kind of okay. Because the reality of mining is very few get into production. Correct. But today, market values those things as the same as the things that will get into production. So do you think that's reasonable? You, you just need a couple of royalties to have very long lives with a lot of discovery optionality built in. And, you know, you look like a hero despite the fact that 98 out of your projects didn't materialize. A great example. You know, Franco Nevada was built on the gold strike royalty, which they bought out of the Reno paper for 1.x million, is now paid right out a billion dollars. And that's a great example of discovery optionality. 
And commodity price options. Yeah, and, and I know a guy who, who won the lottery. It's yep. one in however million, right? So I, I, what, I, what I want to understand is you, if you're going to do this prospect generation model, have got a team of people who better know what they're doing and talking about. Because, you know, a company giving you some stock on one, one of your assets, mm -hmm. which may never get into production, doesn't really do you or your shareholders any, any good. So you've got to be better than the rest at finding the good stuff. Right. So what are they what are they actually doing? So the best way, the best litmus test for that, Matt, is to look at the depth of, uh, and the quality of the current portfolio we have. And of course, there's a lot of uh, uh, dogs within that portfolio, you know, things right. that haven't worked out. That's perfectly normal. That's part of that's part of proper business. Uh, we commonly are not the ones that paid to determine that they did not work, uh, which is a great aspect. But for those that do hit you know, the, the, the payoff is, is going what do, you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that the NSOs never go away, so maybe someone else have a go with some new technology in 20 years, and you might make some money eventually? Um, or are they always going to be a dog? So that can happen, and they can just outright be thrown away. But something else can happen. Uh, in multiple examples within our portfolio, because we have teeth in the deal, annual work commitments, annual payments, share payments. Uh, and the share payments are not de minimis. So we've done exceedingly well over the course of our life, picking up the uh, lease payments and annual minimum royalty payments and share payments, and then reinvesting that money right back into the portfolio. That's a salient amount of money over a long period of time. Uh, but um, the, um, uh, you know, when they do hit, they pay off in a big way, uh, and, and a few are hitting. Talk to me about cobalt. I like cobalt. So a great example. I get, I've been asked at this show here in Quebec, which is yeah. a great show, by the way. Yeah. Um, looking forward to coming back. The, uh, you know, occasionally something really extraordinary can happen within your portfolio. And, and, and we don't know if this one will be it or not, but we're very excited at this point in time. We have made a press release where we discussed some extraordinarily high grade cobalt manganese mineralization sticking out of the ground in Australia and Queensland. Mm -hmm. uh, we own 100% of it. We haven't sold this asset off yet. Everybody we talk to about it wants it. Uh, because cobalt, Queensland, high-grade manganese. Uh, yeah. The average grade over four and a half kilometer strike length is 1.2% uh, cobalt. This is $1,000 rock sticking out of the ground. We don't know if it has continuity, but uh, um, we're really excited about it. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're in the zone. There's, there's uh, mountains of tailings, cobalt tailings in Queensland, too. You're in the right zone. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the Australian government start doing, because there's, there's talk of them increasing royalties on on coal producers, which is not, not a positive signal, I don't think, but we'll see what the politicians um, do in Australia. You know my saying, rocks don't change, politicians do. True. Um, and, and we just have to uh, live with that in all the different uh, regions of the world where we work. Okay, final word on the state of the royalty and streaming market um, as, as it pertains to funding uh, uranium, uh, sorry, sorry, uranium, sorry ahead of myself, uh, genius um, at, at the moment. Uh, are you, I mean, not too many deals happening at the moment that I'm, that I'm aware of. Are you coming up against stiff competition from elsewhere or people just hunkering down? So buying royalties has always been tough. It's been tough for a long time. That's why it's, you know, we're delighted to be very patient about that. I don't see any big royalty purchases in our very near future. We mm -hmm. want to digest the ones that we've recently purchased in addition to demonstrate the value of the royalties that are coming up from within that portfolio. Um, and on the organic deal flow side, you know, we've sold 83 projects in the last four years. We're prolific generators. That's creating 83 new royalties, by the way. Um, 
And I expect that deal flow to, to not be quite as strong this year due to uh, constrained capital markets, uh, but still strong nonetheless. So maybe, maybe we'll sell 20 projects this year or something like that. Okay. David, thanks very much. So now's the moment. Cash is going to start flowing. Take a look at uh, EMX royalties if you haven't already. Appreciate your time. Man, I appreciate all the tough questions.